You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 191 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and not joining me in the kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith because he's somewhere in the UK in a car, I presume, travelling back from London. But don't panic because we have got our other illustrious co-host with us tonight. And uh, so welcome back to the saviour, I think, of, of last week's show because I think um, he, together with Matt, they managed to pull together uh, a show last week. So uh, welcome, uh, Mr. Neville Bounds. Well, thank you very much. Yes, it was a bit uh, difficult, wasn't it? Uh, what with your <coughs> connection from Dubai not being great and then me having a power cut here immediately afterwards, so that wasn't very clever. So we managed to uh, piece something together on Sunday. But uh, anyway, uh, all's good. Hope everybody is well and uh, hope you are suitably recovered from your trip, uh, Carlos. I'm sure we'll hear a bit about that later on. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm quite recovered. I had a good good flight, uh, both good flights really, with uh, with the wonderful uh, Virgin Atlantic, nice nice airline. I didn't really go a lot on the uh, A330, unfortunately. I, I have to say, uh, fantastic service from the guys on board. But um, I, I, I'm not going to just that because of the Boeing and the Airbus thing. But yeah, I, I didn't really go, go a lot on the uh, the A330, unfortunately. But um, but there we go. So how how are things with you anyway, Nev? Yeah, very good. Had a very busy week at work. Uh, doing a bit of flying next week, so I'm uh, off to Edinburgh on Monday and Tuesday of next week, um, and uh, so that'll be a bit busy. But uh, yeah, it's that busy time of year at work actually, where everybody wants everything done by the end of the uh, uh, the year. So uh, yeah, a bit uh, a bit hectic, but otherwise all good. Thank you very much. Excellent. Uh, we seem to have a. Are you seeing your picture okay, Nev? Because I'm I'm looking on here and it's. Um, uh, no, I I seem to have frozen. You seem so, to have frozen. Um, what would you like me to do? Do you want oh. me to cut me off and dial me back in or something? I don't know. It's, it just seems to. Uh, th okay there's some weirdness going on there, isn't there? Yes. I think you're uh, you're, you're whatever you're doing. You're moving around the wrong. Oh, I don't bit. know. It's uh, something. Oh, I don't know what the hell's wrong with it. Um, yeah, it just seemed to have frozen. Let me let me just call you two back. Hold on, We're, bit of yep. editing, bit of editing for Matt to do. Oh God, well there you go. Look, guys, it, it's just amazing that it would uh, just happen like this, wouldn't it? So we're going to call them back again. Here we go. Yay! That's better. Hello. All working okay now? Yeah, we seem to be okay now. Good. I can't see you, Carlos. No, that's I've fine. I've just got the logo. That's fine. That's fine. I've turned the camera off. Save a bit of the old, um, bit of the old bandwidth. Uh, it was working. I think you were just. Um, I'm looking on the uh, on the live feed here, and I can see your cursor moving around. We don't normally see that when Matt's in control. I don't know what the. It looks like you're taking there. a feed from not the right place. No, it seems okay now. Okay. Nev? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> oh, good, good. It I'm wouldn't, it wouldn't be a show without Matt, let's be honest, without you know some kind of technical hitch, really. Mm. I, th I think it actually uh, adds something to the show when there's a technical hitch. Mm, definitely. <coughs> there we go. I think, I've, I think I've got it working properly now. Good. 
Um, so, as you probably heard from the voice there, we have got uh, another guest host with us, joining us on the show tonight, and uh, he's been been a bit of aloof for a while. We haven't, we haven't heard from him <laughs> for a while. So, uh, welcome on to the show, uh, Pilot Pip. How have you been? It's an outrageous accusation, Carlos. Um, but yes, thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, I've been well. Thanks very much, and thanks very much for inviting me on. Um, I'm uh, freshly back from Lisbon, spent all this week. Uh, down at Safe Jets HQ in Lisbon, doing uh, all sorts of training, bits and bobs. And uh, back now, just about, I came this close to missing my uh, flight back to Heathrow yesterday. Embarrassingly, was uh, sat up in the lounge, enjoying my sandwiches and uh, iced tea. <laughs> Not a care in the world, and I happened to glance at my watch, and it was 10 minutes to departure time. So I immediately threw my sandwiches away and sprinted across <laughs> Lisbon Airport. And just got to the gate uh, in time. But as it turns out, uh, the French air traffic control uh, was in full effect. So we sat there on the aircraft for about 45 minutes without any air conditioning. <laughs> so mm. I needn't bother. But I got there all sweaty and stinky. So apologies to my fellow passengers because I was probably uh, a bit pongy. What was, what was the but airline? I made it home eventually. I say, what was the airline of choice, uh, Pip? It was TAP. Okay. Um, was that the, yeah? We're generally uh, coming back from Lisbon on those uh, on those training trips. Take TAP. I, you know, I quite I quite enjoy TAP. They're pretty good. They've just um, they've changed their their check-in thing. Normally, you could choose your own seat for free, but uh, when I checked in the other day, they wanted I think it was twenty euros to choose a seat, <gasps> any seat. Didn't matter which seat, a middle seat or whatever seat. It was twenty bucks, which I thought was a bit off. But, uh, you know, they're still one of the few airlines to serve up a, a free complimentary cup of tea and a, a sandwich of sorts. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Oh, good. Well, thanks for joining us, Pip. You're going to have to... Oh, my uh, pleasure. Always. You're going to have to... Uh, well, we're going to have to do a, a, a Nev's passenger experience with uh, Gemma after her experiences with Salam Air. I think that's on the cards, Nev. Yeah, Salam Air, is that a... One you just made up, or is that a real airline? No, 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 that's a, that's a real airline. It, really? She flew internally from Dubai to Oman with Salam Air, and they operate um, three A320s. And um, needless to say, they were fairly empty going out and coming back um, wow. last week. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those uh, obscure airlines that no one's ever heard of. But uh, mm. yeah, so we're going to say a huge welcome to everyone who's joined us in the chat room. Loads of people joined us in the chat room tonight. Uh, Barbara Parrish, we're going to run through. Liz Piper, Barbara Parrish, Masha, uh, we've got uh, Mariana, True Aviation is in the chat room. Uh, Rick Bell, uh, greetings to you, Rick. Uh, Shorty Crosgrove, I'm uh, going Jeff Braithwaite, uh, Pilot Pip, he's in the chat room. Mark Harvey, and uh, who else have we got? I'm just scrolling down the list. Falco from Germany, uh, greetings bon to you. <laughs> Glenn Towler, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, it's good evening here. And uh, we've got Masha, have I missed anyone out? Glenn Taylor, Micah, main man Micah is in the chat room as well. Just busy scrolling down the list here. I need to update this um, YouTube thing because it goes a bit quicker here. But uh, welcome to everyone. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer's joined us in the chat room as well. So uh, welcome Hi, to Jen. you. Hi, uh, So time check then, date check. It is the 17th of November 2017 and the time is coming up to 10 past 7 in the evening. So Matt, we nearly started roughly on time minus the technical faults and stuff but uh, we've got loads of news to get through uh this week and uh bits and pieces uh but first uh 
Nev, I do believe we have got um, a piece or a, a slight bit of um, uh, of work, housework to sort out before we start. Yes, indeed. And uh, of course, uh, the Patreon donations are very important and extremely welcome as well. So um, I was I'm going to read out the uh, Patreon donors. So thank you very much for your very kind donations. And they are Adrian Meacham, Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Stuart Black, Liz Piper, Evan Shue, Adam Spink, Matt Donemeyer, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Moller, Philip Laid, Andrew Wilson, Jordan Rose, Steve Andress, Jeff Newman, Matthew Bunting Frame, Myla, Ryan Harper, Jenny Parkinson, Stuart Backer, and Ray Williams. Thank you very much indeed, one and all, for your fantastic contributions. And they really do make a difference. Yes, it does make a lot, a big difference to the show, and it helps to uh, helps to fund our the various hosting fees and website fees and stuff. Uh, which we have through uh, Libsyn, which is one of the uh, the companies that uh, I think nearly all the podcasters use online is Libsyn. And, uh, yeah, it helps to uh, get us to uh, various air shows in and around the UK as well and bring you some great interviews, which uh, I have got some great interviews from uh, Dubai Air Show, actually. Uh, the, well, I've got three good interviews, actually, from there. Um, what a fantastic show, though, guys. Honestly, I wish you wish you could have been out there with us. I think you would have uh, both thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, uh, Pip, what do, you, what do you think next year? Do you fancy joining us? Oh, I'd love to go to the Dubai Air Show. Yeah, I'll have a bit of Dubai action. It's been years since I've been. It's probably been seven or eight years since I was in Dubai last. No, it's... It, yes, it's please, especially if uh, the PTUK Patreon fund is paying. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that business class uh, Emirates flight would be fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it, Pip? Mm. Superb, yeah. Oh, dear. After, after, trying, after sampling the first class suite on the new 777-300ER, um, I, I need to have a look and see how much that costs to, uh, to, <laughs> to have a seat on that because it, it was yeah, really... I not, wouldn't bother it looking, was so It was so nice. Do you know what? They, have a, they actually have a 32-inch flat screen TV in the first class suite in, in the new triple seven three hundred and um, it, it's like the, the the bar pops out from the side with drinks and stuff in and, and there's like um, um, rather than having a call button uh, which you press to, to get someone to come and serve you or bring you food or whatever that they have a Skype call system uh, installed so you can just video call um, a flight attendant to, to bring you whatever you want so it, it was <laughs> it was definitely an eye-opener Mm. That sounds great. Mm. So uh, we are well. We've got loads of news to get on with this week, and we've also got uh, a great segment from uh, Nev this week on the passenger experience, and uh, with uh, with Mike Steed. So that's coming up a bit later. We've got some military news this week. So uh, there we go, Jonathan Warner. It'll keep uh, keep you happy with some uh, military news, and uh, we're also gonna um, we're gonna sort of well not announce, we're gonna try and um, kind of um, come up with an idea because we are gonna have a Christmas competition this year, as we normally do every year, and uh, we're we're gonna have a bit of a brainstorm between uh, between the hosts uh, this uh, this week, and uh, we'll probably bring you some details on that in next week's show as to how you can uh, win and you know what are we what we're gonna do, Nev? How how hard are we gonna make this for the listeners? I think it's going to be reasonably challenging, hasn't it? So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll think of something uh, quite uh, quite nice to do and should be a nice prize as well when we've worked it all out this week. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. So, uh, if everyone's ready, I suppose we better do some, uh, some aviation news. So, uh, 
We're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Nev. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're ready, Pip. Yes, sir. Let's go. Soaking off this week's first news story, this one is on the BBC News website, and uh, it's a story that uh, Nev picked up on this afternoon, and I think uh, pretty much everyone in the UK uh, has heard about the story. It's sad news indeed of uh, a aircraft and helicopter uh, mid-air crash uh, near Waddesdon, uh, I think that's... Uh, is that how you pronounce that one? Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. Waddesdon, yeah. Uh, so uh, an aircraft and a helicopter have crashed in mid-air over Buckinghamshire with a number of casualties reported. Emergency services were called uh, to the site near Waddesdon Manor near Aylesbury at uh, six minutes past 12 this afternoon. The Air Accident Investigation Branch, the AAIB, has sent a team to investigate... Uh, a Wickham Air Park spokesman said both aircraft came from the uh, from the airfield near High Wickham. Uh, the AAIB said the plane involved was a Cessna. Uh, South Central Ambulance Service said it received a call for a mid-air collision between a helicopter and a uh, aircraft in Upper Winchenden near Aylesbury. It said there have been a number of casualties at the scene, but at this stage, uh, that's all they have to confirm. Thames Valley Police said uh, the priority was saving lives, and the force said there was expected to be disruption in the area for the rest of today. Mitch Misson, an off-duty firefighter, witnessed the the crash from his garden. He said he looked up and saw as both collided in mid-air, followed by a large bang and falling debris. He rushed to get his car keys and en route called emergency services who uh, continued to, he continued to give updates to uh, as to its whereabouts. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to locate the actual crash site but directed police, fire and ambulance crews as best he could and once they were on the scene, he re uh, returned home after that. Uh, seven fire appliances from Aylesbury, Haddenham, Oxfordshire and Berkshire are at the scene as well. A spokesman for the Bucks Fire and Rescue Service said it had sent fire engines as well as urban search and rescue vehicles. He said there are 30 fire service staff there from all counties working alongside police, ambulance and the AAIB. And uh, he understands as well that the crash has happened in a wooded area near the Manor House. The Thames Valley Air Ambulance, two ambulance crews, two ambulance officers and a rapid response vehicle also sent to the scene. Hayley O'Keefe from the Bucks Herald said on Twitter a plume of smoke could be seen close to the Waddesdon Hill after the crash. The Reverend Mary Crudas from St Mary Magdalene Church near Upper Winchinson said that she'd been able to uh, uh, been out or been to the site to see if she could be of any help. And uh, obviously news is coming in um, Obviously, new refresh news is coming in all the time, and it's uh, it's sad times indeed when you hear something like this, especially with light aircraft. Um, what do you say, guys? Yeah, I think um, it, yeah, very sad indeed. Certainly, the, the weather conditions were very good the whole of today. This happened around about um, midday, and um, it's a, the accident actually is about three miles from my house as, as the crow flies. So it's been very close. The whole uh, traffic area around my area has been very difficult all afternoon. Uh, but uh, yeah, clearly uh, there's been casualties and possibly fatalities there. But obviously, we don't know the the, the full story yet. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, 
uh, GA activity around that area, and they both took off from uh, Wickham Air Park. Uh, again, that's about 15 miles from here, and uh, that's where I took Liz to, actually, when, when she came over to the UK. Um, it's, and it would have been the um, uh, uh, airfield that uh, Captain Al would have flown into as well, had he picked me up that that day um those months ago but i think um we don't know it's obviously far too early to say but um that well i think the thing is you just have to keep a good lookout and i think yeah. if the unless there was a technical problem somewhere uh, or some sort of failure uh, it might just be that someone hadn't seen the other aircraft what do you, what do you think pit yeah absolutely the airspace around there like you say it's quite um busy this class gs space which only goes up to i don't know exactly it's either two and a half or three thousand the london tma starts so you're, you're kind of crammed into that little bit of airspace below that uh and you're right it is very busy around there just on the edge of the the london area where people are having to skirt around uh heathrow um so yeah nice weather today as you said but um Possibly just purely speculating that low autumn sun in the sky might, may have been an issue. Flying into the sun, it's quite difficult to uh, to get a good sort of visual lookout going. Uh, so, you know, just unfortunate. It's see and avoid rules around there, but it's, yeah. it's, it's not always possible. The only sort of factual thing I can add to that is um, from various sources I've gathered. The helicopter was a Cabri G2 helicopter, a two-seat single uh, piston-engined helicopter, both belonging to flight schools at uh, High Wycombe Airfield um, rather than privately owned aircraft. They were both school aircraft. I think one but, of the uh, things... You know, one of the things you, that we that we you're taught when you learn to fly, and, and you know this pip as well, is you know when you're flying VFR, is that you know you, you're all eyes open everywhere. Mm. You've got to keep a massive look around, and and one of the things that the instructors always you know install in your head whenever you make any move, any turn, descend, or or anything at all, you're always looking around before you even attempt to uh, to make any turns or any moves. Yeah, absolutely right. But this is easier said than done, as you know, Carlos. Yeah. You need uh, four eyes at least, eyes in the back of your head and exactly. more if you can possibly can. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to, uh, to the next story then, and uh, Nev, this one's for you. Hmm. It's on the uh, Birmingham Mail website, and it's about British Airways, which I always like. And uh, BA City Flyer is visiting Birmingham at the end of November as part of a, a campaign to recruit new captains. The airline is holding an open day at the Hilton Metropole Hotel in Birmingham on Monday, the uh, November the 27th, seeking pilots to operate flights on its growing network. BA City Flyer is the leading airline at London City Airport, operating a fleet of 20 Embraer 170 and 190 aircraft to more than 30 destinations throughout the UK and Europe. They began flying from Birmingham Airport in May 2017 for the first time in 10 years. And together with the new services from Manchester, Bristol and London Stansted, the airline currently operate, operates 58 routes to business and and leisure destinations across Europe. The Birmingham event aims to attract experienced direct entry captains to join the growing business. These new captains will operate services out of one of the airline's two main bases at London City and Edinburgh. On the day, 
BA City Flyers Head of Operations, Captain Steve Cook, will be on hand to discuss the airline, career, lifestyle, selection and application process uh, together with fleet managers and representatives from rostering and HR. Captain Steve Cook said, as BA City Flyer continues to grow, we are recruiting captains to play an important role in our continuing success. As an airline, we have a proud reputation for safety and highly trained professionals and we're coming to Birmingham to search for exceptional individuals to join us. As well as the impressive training record, new captains will have a passion for delivering top-class customer services. And Steve added, our customers are at the heart of our business and it's important that all new crew combine their flying skills with people skills and understand the importance of excellent onboard services. BA City Flyer currently has 215 pilots, 104 captains and 111 first officers. The airline is also one of the biggest employers of female pilots representing 15% of the workforce in total including eight captains so that's a good news story but i've just got a quick question to ask uh, pip actually um this is quite unusual isn't it to have uh, direct entry captains these days that there seem to be uh, sort of uh, fewer and fewer opportunities for this kind of uh, thing mm, yeah i suppose most opportunities are not are not direct entry captain mm. but it yeah it does happen occasionally i'm a little surprised that um city Exp- uh, not city express City, city. Flyer. What are they calling themselves? City Flyers. Sorry, city yeah, flyer. they change their name every couple of years. It's hard <laughs> yes. to keep up. Um, I'm surprised they've not got a an adequate pool of of FOs, especially considering those numbers. There were more FOs than captains, I think you said, which is yeah, again slightly yeah. unusual. Most airlines mm. tend to be captain heavy, um, so I'm not sure how those FOs feel if they're being jumped over for command positions. But you know, it's business needs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know at BA City Fly, they're always recruiting, always, always, always. Mm. There's always ads in the paper, so I'm not quite sure what it is um, that's not attracting people. Um, it should be, I sh- it should be stated, that BA City Flyer is not British Airways. Uh, if you go to BA City Flyer, you know, you stay in BA City Fly. If you want to move to British Airways, then you just going to have to apply to them like everyone else. There's not really any um, crossover between them. They are two separate companies. Yeah, um, but yeah, good for them. It's, it's a nice opportunity. I wonder, perhaps, if they're specifically targeting um, some of those monarch guys, perhaps, who are still hanging around Birmingham looking for a job. Perhaps mm. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So do do safe jets offer a, a similar thing then, Pip? Can you can you go in as a, a captain direct, or do no. you have to start off at the bottom? No. no, you start off at the very bottom of the seniority list, and work Ooh. your way up. Uh, in fact, we're recruiting at the moment. If uh, if anyone out there is interested, <laughs> for the first time in uh, like a bazillion years, we are recruiting for a very small number of pilots. But uh, it's good news there picking go. up. So moving on to the next story. And uh, Pip, this one uh, is all for you. Excellent news. Excellent news. Let me stall just for a few more seconds while it loads up. <laughs> this is from the NY Daily News. I guess that's New York Daily News. Southwest Airline pilot arrested with loaded handgun at the airport. My, my, my. Uh, A Southwest Airlines pilot was arrested Wednesday morning after he tried to sneak a loaded weapon past security at uh, St. Louis Lambert International Airport. Transportation Security Administration officers found a loaded Smith & Wesson M&P Shield 9mm pistol in the first officer's carry-on bag, a TSA spokesperson said. Uh, the man, 51, was arrested for unlawful use of a weapon for carrying the handgun, 
which was loaded with several rounds. Uh, TSA contacted local law enforcement who confiscated the gun, uh, arrested the man and gave him a big spank on the bottom. Uh, oh, the story goes on. Firearms may be transported in checked baggage as long as they are declared to the airline in a proper carrying case and unloaded, but they are prohibited from carry-on luggage, according to the TSA. Uh, it's unclear if the man will face criminal charges, uh, but he could face civil penalties. Uh, Southwest Airlines acknowledged, acknowledged the incident but did not identify the pilot. And they said, we're aware of the situation involving a Southwest pilot at St. Louis Airport. We are currently working alongside the appropriate authorities to gather more information. We have no further information to share at this time. Uh, and the pilot was apparently scheduled to fly to Las Vegas. So, um, I almost don't know what to say. Um, you know, we a silly boy. Silly when it comes boy. to guns, we um, have a, a totally different um, approach to them in this neck of the woods, <laughs> in this end of the world. But uh, you know, guns are very common over there, and whether this guy deliberately tried to sneak one through, as the story suggests, or he just forgot, had it in his bag. <laughs> I, I, it's just crazy to me that you could have a bag a gun in your bag and forget about it but you know maybe so i, I really have no idea nev um any thoughts yes you don't I, I, i'm guessing you don't generally tend to carry loaded uh loaded handguns on to, oh, uh, to, to uh flights and, and stuff like that but he's got one on him now well actually yes <laughs> i'll just just make sure it's safe um but no, it, it, well, it's, it's as, you, as Pip says, it's, it's just such a different culture, isn't it? So, um, but uh, yeah, the, if you are careless and, and forget about these things, then expect the full force of the law. I might add, actually, that I went through security at, uh, at Heathrow this, this time, and I didn't beep when I walked through the, the little door, the archway door thing. It's the first time in I don't know how many years I haven't actually beeped and sent all the, um, the lights flashing, so I don't know what was wrong there. Obviously scanner's not working properly i don't know <laughs> might, be. might hey, be it's always the case it doesn't matter how much you take off your your watch your rings and necklaces and and all the you know rest of the uh, ba baracus regalia you know as soon as you walk through that door you you set all the bells and whistles going off and stuff mm, i think there is a i'm not giving away any, any secrets here i don't think but there is some randomness uh factored <laughs> into it as, as well so yeah uh, i think know, it's yeah. i've been told it's Depending on the machine and depending on what they're looking for, it's a, a one in ten will will trigger the the random alarm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know <laughs> if that means every tenth person or just you know averaged over the day, it's one in ten. But I seem to get stopped way more than one in ten. I mean, I would say probably fifty percent of the time I go through a one of those damn things, I get zapped for something or other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving not usually a gun, though. I should say I don't. <laughs> no, don't do that. I hope not, Pip. Anyway, so moving on to the next story. This one is on uh, Flight Global's website, and uh, it's another seven four seven story. We have a few. We've had a few in the last few months. Uh, so Delta uh, Air Airlines are planning a Northwest Hub tour for their 747 farewell. So Delta Airlines plans to fly its final 747 to former Northwest Airlines hubs uh, next month after the type completes its last international service on the 17th of December this year. The Atlanta-based carrier will fly the 747-400 from Detroit to Seattle on the 18th of December and then Seattle to Atlanta 
Atlanta on the 19th of December and then Atlanta to Minneapolis, St. Paul on the 20th of December as part of a farewell tour. It says uh, seats on the flights uh, will be open to employees and members of its Sky Miles frequent flyer program. Uh, Detroit, Minneapolis were primary hubs for Northwest, which merged with Delta in 2009, and Seattle was a focus city. When the tour is over, the last passenger 747 in the USA will exit scheduled service after 47 years. United Airlines, the only other US 747 operator, retired its last of the type earlier in November. Delta's last regularly scheduled 747 flight will operate from Seoul, Incheon to Detroit on the 17th of December, arriving in the Michigan airport at 11.15 local time at day. Uh, the route will be flown by the airline's new flagship A350-900 from the 17th of December and Delta plans to operate uh, the 747 on a handful of sports team and other charters through the end of December before flying it to storage in the Arizona desert in early January 2018 it says. The 747 is among 16-400s that Delta inherited from Northwest through the carrier's merger. It previously operated the 747-100 from 1970 till 1976, Fleet's analyzer shows. Delta operates six of the 747-400s, all of which will exit service by the end of the year, uh, they say. So, sad times then, guys. Another airline. There'll soon be none of these left in, uh, in service. Yes, the Queen of the Skies. It's um, it's that time, isn't it, where there's more modern equipment around, and uh, of course, it's all about the fuel cost and, and maintenance cost. I would imagine. So that's United done doing their retirement stuff, and uh, Delta, uh, BA uh, will be a go going for a little while yet. Yeah, they, they've they've just refurbished some of their seven four sevens to get some more life out of it. But it's a, a big shame, isn't it? And uh, it's still one of the classic aeroplanes and the people that i know that have flown them say it really is a a, a great pilot's aircraft yeah it's a shame have you had the chance to um to fly um on the uh, 74 pip oh many times yeah mm. yeah uh usually um back from moscow ba uh used to run a 747 on their afternoon flight back uh, moscow to london i don't know why it's only like a four-hour flight at the very most but uh, and it was often empty as well so i'd have a nice uh, 747 all to myself but uh, i never got on the top deck unfortunately <laughs> but you know i i think there's still time we're going to have 747s around for quite a few years to come i wouldn't uh, start shedding a tear quite yet uh, certainly here in europe anyway like nev says ba are going to have them for a while um not sure how long virgin are going to hold on to theirs um but there'll be some around even in the cargo version you know cargo lux and atlas and and others still have them but um it, it will be a shame when it goes it's it's just yeah it's a it's a masterpiece it's a classic i think, no I think it's a shame nick the dash I know nick will be poo-pooing me right now but we all know <laughs> nick is secretly a, a closet aerosexual he wants to <laughs> Get his hands on one as much as everyone else. <laughs> oh dear! No, I, I, I did. I mean, I've only flown on one on on a seven four seven once, and that was last year with uh, with Virgin. 
um, on, on to Vegas and back. That's the only once and only time I've flown the seven four. So I'm I'm glad I did because at least I say you know I can can say I've flown on the seven four seven at least once. Never did you say you ha you have or you haven't had a chance? Yeah, uh, many times actually. Usually to Las Vegas when we have our uh, um, uh, exhibition out there for for our industry. Uh, but I've also flown on the top deck of an Air New Zealand flight. Um, from Heathrow to LA as well. That was a very nice uh, service. So um, yeah, it's um, it's just such a great aircraft. And for, for considering how you know it's getting on a bit now, the, the noise levels uh, in the cabin were, were pretty reasonable actually. So um, I think maybe quieter than your uh, three thirty experience the other day by the sounds <laughs> of things. Yeah, yeah. For anyone listening who has any views on the A and the Airbus A330, am I just the only person who thinks this is an incredibly loud aircraft to be when you're in the cabin? It might just be me. But we had a few comments in the chat room. Uh, Glenn Taylor said that the 747 freighters will be around for a long time. Uh, very true. And uh, Lane Street has said that uh, Korean Air just took a new 747-8 Intercontinental a few months ago. and uh, So that will fly, obviously, for, for many years to come. Uh, Andrew Wilson's a bit sad in the chat room. He says he'll probably never get a chance to travel on a 747, which is, uh, which is a shame. Oh, I think you should make the uh, effort, Andrew Wilson. You'll you'll regret it. It's um, you know, it's like the Concorde. I mean, I would love to have flown on the Concorde, but it didn't even occur to me at the time when it was flying, even when it was, you know, being phased out. Um, but, yeah, opportunities missed and all that. So grab it now while you still can. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. That's my advice. Definitely. So Nev. Next story, uh, a bit of a shocking story. This uh, this next one. Well, for you, uh, of course, and you know what the Daily Mail's like for uh, over exaggeration here, and uh, <laughs> it's been written just in in that fashion as well. And um, the headline is the not so friendly skies. Terrifying moment: commercial plane is struck by huge lightning bolt <clears throat> just moments after taking off. And uh, it says, I'm glad Matt's not listening to this. Uh, if you suffer from a fear of flying, look away now, because this is the dramatic moment a commercial carrier suffers a direct lightning hit just moments after launching into the skies. No, they did that, but uh, footage shows the commercial carrier being struck midair whilst carrying countless passengers from Amsterdam Schiphol Airport. Thankfully, the KLM aircraft, a Boeing 777, successfully continued its journey despite the electrically charged weather system. Uh, in fact, as reported by RT.com, the plane is said to have landed on time at Lima Airport some 12 hours and 40 minutes later. It's incredible, isn't it? The Mail Online have contacted a representative for KLM, but are yet to receive a response. The footage, which was sourced by Valk Aviation, was uploaded to YouTube on Tuesday and amassed an impressive 140,000 views in just one day. Naturally, many of, many of the commentators were impressed with the airplane's intelligent which allows it to withstand such strikes. One viewer, Dan, simply responded, what an absolute beauty, whilst another, Lux Aviators, posted, that was amazing, and what a lucky catch. And there's uh, various pictures of the uh, of the, the plane uh, sustaining a, a lightning strike, and it says that, fortunately, most Boeing planes have a composite fuselage rather than metal, and its embedded conducting material is designed to absorb a lightning strike. Although it may say, sound a terrifying prospect, commercial aircraft around the world are bombarded with bolts of lightning every single day. According to experts, in an average, average year, any given airline can expect to be struck at least once on its travels. Typically, 
<clears throat> those on board often fail to notice that the plane has been hit at all or experience nothing more than a quick flash. Fanar, fanar. Uh, the worst air tragedy relating to a lightning strike occurred in the US state of Maryland in December 1963. 81 people died after a bolt of lightning ignited fuel vapors and caused an explosion that brought down a Boeing 707 operated by Pan Am. Well, of course, this is a very common occurrence. It does look quite spectacular, it has to be said, but um, yes, some um, some margin of exaggeration uh, <laughs> by, by the good old Daily Fail, though. Yes, the countless passengers on board. Countless. Yeah. Really? Maybe says something about the average <laughs> Daily Mail reader that they can't count to 200. <laughs> yeah. Countless passengers. Have, have, you, oh, ever, right. have you ever had the, uh, the, uh, the chance to be struck by lightning in the, uh, the old Hawker, Pip? That's a good question, Carlos. And the answer is, I think I have. We we didn't notice at the time, but we landed doing the, the post-flight inspection, noticed, I forget the number, it's like eight or nine little burn marks on the back of the wing, like sort of, um, you know, exit marks where lightning comes out. Didn't notice it at the time. Um, so we think we were, but um, we didn't notice it. So, uh <laughs> so you know it can go like the story said actually it can it's not necessarily a huge dramatic uh moment but uh, yeah it's pretty common it you know it happens and uh, you know number one aircraft are designed to do that it's not a you know <laughs> a, a pure luck that they managed to survive it's just the way aircraft were designed it's not intelligent design as they or whatever the quote was they put there it's just you know it's like your car it's a faraday cage if your car gets struck by lightning you know you're, you're going to come away without a scratch it's just a metal cage that channels uh, electricity away from the, the soft fleshy parts on the inside and harmlessly through and around and, and back out the other side it's it's not uh, any astounding technology it's pretty basic actually so we're all but safe, it, guys and girls. There you heard yes. it here. We are all safe. So continue to fly in any aircraft and get struck by lightning. It doesn't really matter. It just looks good on a photo. I mean, let's be honest here. It, it, the it photos does look, look nice. Awesome. There's some pretty nice photos yeah. on the website now. So, Pip, the next story is uh, yeah. for you. God, you should get, warn me of this stuff. I need a five-minute warning <laughs> when you're going to give me a story. I'm going to have to pull it up now. Um, now, uh, Carlos, uh, I assume you don't want me to read that. 747 story again because you put it in the list twice oh did i no not that one twice, yeah no. so the next yeah. story i think is a fly dubai that's it yeah story okay while my ipad chews that one over this is from flightglobal.com and the headline is fly dubai commits to 175 737 max aircraft uh, more than 50 of the first 170 air, sorry, 175 aircraft to be delivered will be 737 MAX 10s, says Boeing. The remaining order will comprise... Oh, sorry, I missed the, I missed the first sentence. Do you want to edit that out and I'll start again? No, carry on, Pip. It's good. It's right. good to have a bit of Sorry, fun. the first sentence said, The deal announced at the Dubai Air Show is valued at $27 billion, uh, list prices, and more than 50 of the first 175 aircraft to be delivered will be 737 MAX 10s, says Boeing. The remaining order will comprise of MAX 8s and MAX 9s. All variants of the jet are powered by the CFM International Leap 1B engine. Fly Dubai took delivery of its first 76 737s MAX 8s from its earlier order in July and will have six by the end of the year. 
The remainder of these aircraft are due for delivery through 2023. Uh, fleet, flight Fleets and Analyzer... Oh my God, I can't say that. Flight Fleets Analyzer shows that the low-cost carrier holds options on a further 25 of the aircraft. Uh, we welcome the continuation of our long partnership with Boeing. Their aeroplanes have provided a foundation for the success of our business model, providing us with the operational flexibility and range to build a network of 95 destinations in 44 countries, says Fly Dubai Chairman Sheikh Ahmed bin Saeed Al Maktoum. Well done, Pip. I thought I did rather well there. Uh, oh, that's the end of the story. So, uh, yes, lots of new Boeings for Fly Dubai. I have to say that uh, I was lucky enough to get on board the um, the Max at the Dubai Air Show um, last week and uh, had a little had a little look on the Max inside because they've got obviously got this all kitted out with their um, this, this two is a economy and then there's a business uh, section at the front of the aircraft and. Um, I have to say, actually, that their um, their business class seats are actually quite nice. Just how they've managed to cram in that much comfort onto uh, a single aisle 737 is uh, is really good. And also, looking at the economy section as well, the legroom and the seats and stuff in the economy section on on, on the Fly Dubai version was uh, was really good. I was quite impressed actually. Had a little look on the flight deck and uh, checked out there, and it's uh, yeah, they are uh, a really nice aircraft actually. Um, to, yeah, very, very impressed. So, what's the difference between the Max Eight, Nine, and Ten, Carlos? Well, they're is it just slightly like a size thing? Size thing. <laughs> it's a size thing, yeah. Okay. Nev, hello. Oh, sorry. Oh, he's still, yes, yeah, I, still I, I'm still here. Yes, he's still there. <laughs> um, yes, presumably uh, seating and um, uh, cargo capacity and max takeoff weight. I would think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, as always, I'm sure the seating is down to the individual yeah. uh, airline. So whatever you saw at the the uh, Dubai Air Show, Carlos, is may not be representative of of what they actually stick on on the final product. But uh, oh, this this one was uh, was a, a revenue service flying one. This was an actual. Oh yeah. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, it's their first one they had. It was uh, it'd been used. Uh, slightly, although it was, still had that new aircraft smell. You know, they say new cars have a new car smell. This definitely had a new um, new Boeing smell. I think we'll new call Boeing it. smell. Do you think that's different from a new Airbus smell? <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> not while Nick's not in the Boeing chat room. smell of fried food and chicken and <laughs> Airbus smells of uh, Beaujolais and Millet Fignon. Millet f- <laughs> So uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next story, uh, which uh, which I was gonna read, but you've got subscribed, unfortunately. So um, that was a bit of a, a, a snafu from me. Um, so we're gonna have the next story is on the uh, Time Money uh, website, and uh, frequent flyers say this airline has the best uh, miles program. Uh, so if you're looking to make the most of your air travel, uh, you may want to start booking with Jet. Blue. The airline's True Blue Rewards program topped JD Power's 2017 Airline Loyalty Program Satisfaction Study, which was released on Wednesday and highlights the airline loyalty programs that customers feel go above and beyond the competition. According to the study, customers want a miles program that allows them to use rewards outside the airport 
in places such as restaurant, retail stores and car rental counters. Flexibility in, in how miles are redeemed is valued by JD uh, Power. Travel practice lead Michael Taylor says in a statement, after all, if you win a pie eating contest, you may want to be rewarded with something other than a pie. Uh, customers also care about getting quality rewards such as guaranteed low prices and flexible changes to policies, uh, good account management and solid communication between the airline and its members according to JD Power. JetBlue's pro, uh, True Blue program, which was uh, followed in the study rankings by Alaska Airlines, Mileage Plan and Southwest Airlines, Rapid Rewards comes with perks including reservation flexibility, family plans and non-expiring points. It also allows customers to earn points and save on services through uh, partner hotels, uh, car rental agencies, ride sharing services and more. Now I've got to say I'm, I'm part of two or member of two um, miles gathering uh, kind of things. One's with the Emirates uh, and the other one is with Virgin. Um, both of which uh, we've flown in the, a few times in the last few years, so I've accumulated some miles. And um, I have to say, out of the two, the Emirates one is definitely the the easy one to to gain rewards with in regards to upgrades and stuff. And I actually had an email from Virgin this week to say that um, with the air miles that we've accumulated over the last two years with them, uh, I've I've got a whole thirty eight quid um, oh. to spend Ooh, wow. uh, off a flight that I book in the next how many years. Wow, where are you going to go? Maybe I, New Zealand? I don't know. Fiji? <laughs> £38. Pounds, I know, please. it's amazing. So I, I'm, I'm guessing, Nev, you must uh, you must be a frequent flyer kind of mileage chap with BA. Yes, but of course, as I've mentioned many times before, it's nowhere near as generous as it used to be. And I think actually this is the case with a lot of the the mainline um, operators. So Air France, Lufthansa, SAS certainly, Air it uh, Italia. Um, and uh, so they're always trying to get more out of you. Um, but I think the, the Middle Eastern carriers actually uh, have done a quite a good job in this area from what I hear. And as you said, uh, Virgin is actually quite... Uh, you can actually get up the status level quite quickly. The trouble is, I you know would never fer, uh, fly Virgin more than once a year, probably. So that's that's actually the main reason I'm, I'm flying BA. So I, I just a lot of domestic uh, European flying. So that that's the way to to get the uh, the points going, really. Pip, uh, are you um, a member of some fl frequent flyer mileage thing? Yeah, I am actually, and and I find them quite useful. The two that I really benefit from are the BA, obviously, because the majority of my flights, probably 65-70% of my positioning flights are with BA. And I think, fingers crossed, you can see it on the video, fingers crossed, um, <laughs> that I'm going to make bronze by the end of my membership year again, having lost it last year. Um, now, I what, what I like about the BA one, or the way I use it at least, is to save up the Avios points, or the air miles as it used to be called and then uh, use them for, for flights to the family. So I've got a, just about 100,000 at the moment, which isn't bad. Um, so what I like to do is look for the, the BA reward flights, where you're basically just paying the tax roughly. You get the flight for free and pay the taxes. So we're looking to go away uh, in March, half-term school holidays next March. And usually you can't get reward flights during the school holidays for love nor money. But weirdly, BA have got absolutely tons available for next March. So I think we're going to probably go to either Athens or somewhere in northern Italy 
four return flights for the grand total of about £120 using about half of my Avios points, which is actually pretty damn good, I think uh, you'll agree. Yeah, that's very good. Um, And then the other one I use a lot is the uh, Lufthansa Miles and More scheme because I have a Lufthansa-based credit card. So all my shopping and petrol and whatever uh, goes there, and I get, I think, one and a half points per pound that I spend on the credit card. And I've used that to buy some nice little goodies for myself, a new camera not so long ago and and things like that. So it, it's worth doing. If you're flying frequently, it's absolutely worth collecting those points because you can always use them for something. Yeah. I think the Avios ones is a really popular one in the UK, especially with uh, credit card holders because you gain points with purchases on credit cards. But Yeah, um, if you've got the credit card. Yeah. And also hotels. That's where I get a, a lot of my Avios from. Um, a lot of the hotels that we stay at for work will take your BA um, card and, and give you points. Some give you a couple of points. Some give you hundreds of points. At the hotel we use uh, at Heathrow, I think we get... It's either 500 or 1,000 avios per night stay, which is actually pretty damn good. So you stay there a couple of times a month and, um, you know, your quid's in. So Shorty Crosgrove has said that uh, back in the day, uh, Continental Frequent Flyer, their pro- uh, Frequent Flyer program, uh, was, uh, was really great. And uh, there's a kind of discussion going on in the chat room about, about um, giblets. I don't quite know where that's um, stemmed from, but... Um, Oh, it didn't take long to go on to food, did it? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at I all. think it, that evolved from a, a chicken nugget conversation that started about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so, Nev, Nev, the next story, uh, uh, I think uh, I think you can take that one. Yes, this is on the mirror.co.uk. It's all about EasyJet, which has changed its luggage policy. And it says, we've all been there. You're going on a weekend abroad and can't fit your essentials into a small cabin bag, but don't want to fork out loads of cash for a massive suitcase you'll barely fill up. Well, now it seems that EasyJet has found a handy solution to the age-old conundrum as it unveils, unveils its new hold bag policy. The budget airline is now offering passengers a compromise by adding a new hold bag allowance of 15 kilos alongside its existing hold bag policies. And the price will be cheaper too. A 15 kilogram bag allowance will start from a budget-friendly 8.99, whilst a standard hold bag will start from 13.99. So if you're heading on a shorter break, you could save up to a fiver on hold luggage. There's good news for those who are prone to going over the luggage limits too, as EasyJet is also extending the allowance of its standard hold bags from 20 to 23 kilos. That's a whole three kilos of extra room to play around with, but make sure you stick to the limit as all of the usual charges, extra charges for overweight bags will apply. The new bag prices will be available exclusively on the EasyJet website and applies on any new bookings after the 15th of November with immediate effect. And just as before, if you're travelling in a group, you can pull your total weight allowance on the same flight and booking. Uh, In the last year, almost half of our passengers hold bags contained 15 kilos or less, whilst there were also millions of customers who required more weight than we previously allowed with the 20 kilo bag, says Andrew Middleton, uh, one of the directors at EasyJet. Our new products uh, better match those customers' needs, ensuring we offer value for money choices for everyone, regardless of the trip type or duration and it says well what if i booked before the new policy came into place well passengers who are who really who already 
purchased a 20 kilo standard hold bag for future flights will keep their existing allowance. However, as per EasyJet's usual policy, you can buy extra weight in three kilos units up to a maximum of 32 kilos per bag. And EasyJet isn't the only airline to have recently changed its bag policy because both Ryanair and Wizz Air recently unveiled new rules surrounding its cabin bag allowances, allowing passengers to bring an extra larger piece of hand luggage on board. However, there is a catch. Both airlines are offering the new service to passengers who book on their priority boarding, meaning that to make the most of the new policy, you'll have to be ready to shell out a few extra pennies if you want to know more about the full hold bag policy on easyjet you can check out their website which is easyjet.com is it me or is it just getting a bit too complicated now um i'm a simple kind of guy that just wants to <laughs> check my back and get get on the thing and now we're talking about seat pricing uh, and oh it's just too difficult isn't it i think having an increased weight limit is quite handy um for sure i mean we had a 23 kilo weight limit coming home with Virgin and do you know what, even though we'd, we'd filled really, I mean, stuffed the, the suitcases, both suitcases up with, with well, with, with lots of stuff, including, mm. including lots of dates for me because I love my dates um, yeah. and stuff. I, do you know what, I found it hard to, to get the case to weigh 23 kilos and yeah. this, is, this is a hard shell kind of full size um suitcase you know and that and um you know you've got to put a fair amount of stuff into a suitcase you know heavy liquids i suppose and stuff to get that to weigh 23 kilos and even then it's quite you know it is quite heavy to lift to be fair but um yeah it's funny how the wives managed to do it quite easily actually <laughs> <laughs> oh yes with hand luggage cases especially i think uh, people, yeah, yeah i found recently that a a sort of a, a an outlook on a shift on your outlook of life helps a little bit. I used to get very wound up and aggravated and angry by paying for extra baggage and all the rules and regulations. But now I'm trying to take a more relaxed view of it these days and just think, well, if I want to travel a bit more comfortably, then I'll just pay a little bit extra. That's just the cost of having an easy life. Just move on and accept it, mm. is, uh, I find, is a, a nice way to go. But actually, this EasyJet thing here, you know, um, thirteen ninety nine, I think, was the price for a, a small checked-in bag. Mm. Oh, come on, thirteen ninety nine in the grand scheme of things, I suspect for most people, is not a massive deal. I'll tell you what, it's cheaper than Ryanair. Is it? Yeah. Well, there you go, oh, yeah. then. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper than Ryanair. I mean, I, I'm... And, you know, if, you, if you're getting the ticket for 15 quid anyway... And you've got to pay another fourteen pounds on top, so twenty nine pounds for a a flight to halfway across Europe. You know, I can't even get a taxi to my local shopping centre for that. <laughs> oh, so, you know, actually, big picture stuff. I have Just, I have to I have to say that the flight the flights with um with the airline you've never heard of before, uh, Pip Salam Air, um for for Gemma. You know, it's only a half an hour flight from Dubai to Oman. Um, and uh, it, it was a hundred quid return, which is yeah, fair, it's not too bad. But I tell you what, what, what you get you get a, a seven kilo um, allowance with your hand luggage, which seven kilo is quite generous, I think, oh, for hand luggage. Yeah. And what aircraft was that on, Carlos? Uh, that was on the A three twenty. They've got uh, three. Oh, yeah, you said that. Sorry, yeah, you said yeah. that. So, um, yeah. And what was it like? Did Gemma have a good experience? Um, yeah, I mean, they they were very very. Um, um, prompt on time, um, probably due to the fact that 
um, you know, the A, the A320 holds what, 100 and, is it 179, 189? I don't know. I think it is something like that. It's around about that figure, but uh, I think on the way out and on the way back, I think the aircraft was probably quarter full. Um, which which kind of helped, but no, they, it was a nice airline. You know, she said they were. Um, she said she. Well, I mean, this is probably going to come up in the in Nev's passenger experience. I think they're going to Nev and uh, Gemma are going to sit and do a an MPE segment uh, at some point. But um, no, she she thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it was uh, it was nice, um, quite quite a nice trip and stuff. Um, for anyone who's travelling into Oman, you have to have a um, a uh, visa, which is probably the hardest and, and most expensive part. Of traveling into Oman is uh, is purchasing a visa um, for 40 English pounds I will say for just um, entry for 10 days but uh, yeah no it was a good airline yeah she enjoyed it but um, moving swiftly on um, the next story is for you Pip oh, I should have expected that I'm not on the ball today at all He's am I Oh, well, this is a good story. This is a Ryanair story. It's got to be a Ryanair story, hasn't there? I know. I think it was the first one this week. And it's a good Ryanair story, sort of. Ryanair unveils flight gift vouchers for business, is the headline. And this is from travelweekly.co.uk. A new digital initiative offering flight vouchers for employers and employees is being introduced by Ryanair. The gift vouchers for business are available from denominations of 10 euros upwards to 500 euros and can be personalized with a greeting how lovely the initiative covers flights to more than 200 destinations across 33 countries a spokesman for the uh, airline said ryanair digital gift vouchers are always very popular at any time of the year and now we're offering gift vouchers for business the perfect gift for employers and employees Ryanair gift vouchers for business are available in Euro, Pound, Sterling and Polish Lotties and valid for travel across Ryanair's ever-expanding route network. So if you're still looking for Christmas gifts, or if you haven't started yet, as most sensible people uh, will not have started shopping for Christmas yet, then look no further because you could buy your loved ones a 50 euro Ryanair voucher guaranteed to win their hearts <laughs> nev i think i've uh, worked out what i'm gonna uh, get you for christmas this year oh bless you thank you very much indeed uh, but actually <clears throat> this ryanair story i think is quite interesting in the sense because um you know a, a lot of people well are, are forced to fly on on the low-cost airlines for uh, for business so you know i think that might be um might be interesting for some people. I don't, I'm not sure why they want to receive a gift voucher, mind you, but they are. I think it's, I think I'm surprised more airlines don't do a kind of gift voucher thing. I mean, it'd be, you know, for someone who's saving up for a holiday um, to be mm, given yeah. to be given. You know, if they're going to go on holiday with I don't know Jet Two, and they, you know, want some help in buying the flights, and someone gives them a couple of, you know, fifty pound vouchers for some flights. See, I think it's a good idea. I'm surprised more airlines don't offer a kind of gift voucher type um, type service. What do you think? Yeah, just give me the cash, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm an ungrateful <laughs> little bugger, but uh, yeah. Anyone thinking about uh, what they want to get me for Christmas? As I'm sure everyone in the chat room is Ryanair vouchers. Um, yeah, no, don't get me Ryanair voucher, <laughs> please. <laughs> That would be a BA voucher. I will get you a BA voucher. We'll see. If anyone's listening from BA, um, 
you know drop drop the vouchers into uh, to the post to us here at the studio we'll yeah. um, well what about for your christmas competition then giving away uh a hundred euros worth of Ryanair vouchers. Is that a prize or is that a or is that the wooden spoon? Oh dear, <laughs> that would be the booby prize. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, yeah, I don't think that would be. Yeah, no. I think we could think of something more um, uh, adventurous than that. Hey, Nev. Yes, we'll we'll give it some thought this week, and we'll come up with a, a fantastic uh, prize idea for next week. So, moving on to our uh, penultimate story, then we have got um, we have got a, well a kind of um, a kind of top ten kind of bit for the uh, for the last part of the story. So, uh, for this uh, is on the Narcity 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 dot com website, and uh, this new Canadian airline will sell ten dollar flights for its first one thousand customers in twenty eighteen. So discount airlines may have had a rough start, but after years of turbulence, they may finally be able to take flight in Canada. A number of ultra-low-cost carriers have launched in the past year with names like Flair or Primera or Swoop uh, making their way onto Canada's travel scene. But one discount airline is giving low-cost a new meaning. Canada Jetlines is a newcomer that uh, dedicates itself to frugal travellers who seek ultra-low prices for its flights. President and CEO Stan Gadek uh, even mentioned that the company aims to sell flights uh, for the price of a pair of jeans, $100 or less. And um, it, the story goes on. It says that um, approximately 86% of the domestic market is controlled by Air Canada and WestJet. Uh, the presentation reads, the airline's planning to launch ticket sales in spring 2018. With operations beginning as early as summer 2018, Canada Jetlines is so committed to its ultra-low-cost philosophy that it's even offering $10 flights to its first 1,000 Canadian customers. Canadians interested in the deal uh, should pay close attention to the jetlines.ca website as more information on this promotion will be uh, released nearer uh, to the ticket sale launch. Uh, Canada Jetlines, I'm guessing none of you guys have uh, or, or, uh, heard of uh, this particular airline. No, and uh, Liz has just been saying in the chat room that she really can't see the uh, the low cost carrier model being very successful in in Canada. And I think um, you know you, you've it's a big country and there's, there's a lot of distance to cover, and you've got to get the um, you know the, the load factors all worked out and and the whole um, uh, cost model worked out uh, well ahead of time. I think so. It'll be interesting to see, won't it, whether it does end up um, being popular. But um, yeah. Um, well, I, I think that there's been probably um, quite a large number um, of l potential low-cost carriers over the years that have actually failed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. But $10 fares, that'd be interesting mm. to see for sure. Mm, I, well, I, I don't see why the, the low-cost model shouldn't work there. Yeah, it's a big country, but I suspect most of their flights are between the you know the major cities, Vancouver, Toronto, etc., um, and uh, you know, if there's, if the marketplace is there, if the customers are there, um, and there's no other alternative at the moment, I don't know what the airline industry is like in Canada, but if they've only got Air Canada and one or two others to choose from, you know, if they've got a, a monopoly almost on on that marketplace, then perhaps a, a handful of low cost carriers are, might just do well out of it, shake it up a bit, and 
you know, suck it and see. Good luck to him, I say. You know, there's always someone, you know, it is a big country and many of us would say, oh, we don't want to fly on a Ryanair type flight over very long distances, eight hours or so. Um, but, you know, there's certainly demonstrably a market for that sort of stuff because people are happily flying across the Atlantic every day on a very cheap economy tickets with Norwegian and, and wow and all the rest of it in relatively uncomfortable conditions and people are willing to to pay for that so perhaps uh, perhaps Liz Piper can give us a, a kind of a review on the airline when it does start up hopefully mm, yeah. uh, Glenn Taylor in the chat room has said Buffalo Airways is a low-cost carrier uh, Shorty Crosgrove in the chat room said that $10 fares, you'll be flying in the cargo hold. Yeah, could be could be true on that one. <laughs> uh, and uh, Yeah, there's a lot of love for Buffalo Airways. I think, did they do a series on Buffalo Airways? I'm sure there was a series on Discovery with Buffalo. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I yeah. remember. So moving on to the last uh, story. This one is a top 10 and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do take one each. I have hopefully I've got the music lined up here uh, that Matt has um, built into the tower here, and hopefully it'll work. If it doesn't, I shall cry. So uh, the headline then on the Telegraph.co.uk website is "Move Aside Ryanair: These Ten Budget Airlines Are Taking the World by Storm." So it's been uh, a, well, it's been a rough year really for the old guard of the airline industry, from the collapse of Monarch to the Ryanair Omni shambles. Not to mention <laughs> BA's computer crash. And let us not forget the incident in which the United uh, Airlines uh, uh, incident with uh, the doctor who was dragged from his seat. But amid all this, there is a new breed of low-cost carriers looking to take the world skies by storm. Uh, Level BA's little sister launched in March, promising £99 flights across the UK or across the pond, while Primera Air, headquartered in Latvia, burst onto the UK scene with services to New York and Boston from Birmingham and a raft of routes from London Stansted. But uh, not even half of it introducing. So we're going to introduce the, a list of low-cost airlines that some of you may not have ever heard of. So hopefully this music will play. Let's have a look, look here and see if this works. There we go. Oh, it's working. Right, so kick us off then at number 10, Nev. Uh, yeah, number 10 is uh, June, J-O-O-N. An airline actually aimed at millennials. June is the trendy offspring of Air France. It'll launch later this year, flying to Porto, Lisbon and Barcelona from Paris Charles de Gaulle, as well as Fortaleza in Brazil and uh, the Seychelles. So come on in, what's at number 9, uh, uh, Pip? Number nine is a new entry. It's Air Asia. And where are they? Well, they're in Asia. Uh, <laughs> one to watch here, this article says, Tony Fernandez Airlines serves much of the east with subsidiaries covering India, Thailand and Japan. But it's a long-haul operation. Oh, but it's long-haul operation, Air Asia X, though offering cheap seats to Australia and Iran, has not restarted its European services since scrapping them in 2012. So at number eight, it's Wow Air. Wow was part of the vanguard of the low-cost long-haul revolution, flying to the US and Canada via the Icelandic capital of Reykjavik. The carrier has seen its passenger numbers grow, more than doubling in 2016, serving destinations such as New York, San Francisco and Los Angeles. While it has a number of A330neos on order, using Reykjavik as a hub, Wow has added more US cities to its route map, including Detroit, St. Louis and Cleveland. So in at number seven, 
Number seven is Wizz Air, and uh, the Hungarian airline has grown in stature this year, providing cheap flights to increasingly popular Eastern European destinations. Headquartered in Budapest, Budapest as of February this year, Wizz operates in the UK out of Luton primarily, as well as Birmingham, Liverpool and Bristol, as well as Gatwick. Across the board, Wizz flies more than 500 routes, with new launches this year, including Tel Aviv, Pristina and Kutaisi. So in at number six. In at number six is Flair. Never heard of them. Uh, it's another Canadian low-cost operation, which means Britons looking to reach more far-flung corners of North American country are in luck once they make the trip across the pond. This year, Flair, which has existed since 2005, believe it or not, took over fellow carrier New Lead, expanding its destinations and fleet. From next year, it will run services from Edmonton to cities including... Kelowna, Vancouver and Winnipeg. So in at number five, it's uh, one we've all heard of, Norwegian. One of the biggest stories to emerge in the last few years has been the remarkable growth of this Nordic airline. It first drew attention last year with its game-changing low fares to cities such as New York, but has now expanded its network out of London Gatwick to destinations including Singapore, Buenos Aires and Las Vegas. The most recent question mark over the carrier is whether it intends to expand its European short-haul operation to take on the powerhouses such as EasyJet or Ryanair. Asked about plans for its European expansion earlier this year, spokesperson for Norwegian said Norwegian is ambitious growing and our future expansion plans will include both long and short haul growth supported by the large number of aircraft that we have on order so in at number four is Primera Air and uh, this little known airline will start flying from Birmingham and Stansted to the US a daily service to New York Newark and a four times weekly service to Boston from next spring. Last month, it also announced a route to Toronto Pearson from the two UK airports. The Icelandic airline, uh, now based in Riga, began life by offering chartered flights for Scandinavian tour operators, but soon started selling surplus seats to regular travellers as flight-only tickets. Primera has 10 orders with Airbus for its new new fuel-efficient jets, the A321neo and A321 long range, and has begun selling its transatlantic fares from £149 one way. So in at number three, Pip. In at number three, it's another Canadian airline, and this one is called Swoop. Based in Calgary, Swoop is looking to start flying next year with six Boeing 737s on order. Its initial destination is to be Abbotsford, with Hamilton, Waterloo and Windsor in Ontario also on the cards. The WestJet-owned carrier will be going head-to-head with jet lines. That's... Swoop. So in at number two, keeping it on the level, it's level. So uh, stylish and modern was how IAG's chief executive Willie Walsh described British Airways' little sister, which launched in the summer. The carrier is the fifth of the IAG group, but the only one to focus on budget holidaymakers, offering headline-worthy prices of £99 to destinations across the Atlantic. The catch is that the flights depart from Barcelona, but should you be willing to get yourself to Spain's second city, cheap seats to destinations including Buenos Aires, LA and the Dominican Republic await. Its two new Airbus A330 aircraft will be configured to carry 293 economy seats and 21 premium economy. And in at number one, Nev. 
is Jetlines, uh, and the North American newcomer says that it will sell the first 1,000 seats for $10, with standard rates closer to $100. Uh, or as its CEO, Stan Kadek, says, the price of a pair of jeans. Jeans come in all star uh, sizes, stars and prices, but these are going to be very affordable jeans, he says. So using new Boeing 737s, the airline is planning to focus first on a number of Canadian routes, including Nova Scotia and Ontario, and launch ticket sales next year with flights beginning in the summer. By 2019, Jetlines hopes it will be flying further afield to the likes of Las Vegas and Orlando in the US, as well as Cancun, Mexico and Jamaica. So lots of Canadian action there amongst the new uh, low-cost carriers. Well, there we go. There was, uh, well, I think most of those we've heard of over, over the uh over the mm. days, over the times, so we've heard of most of these carriers. But um, I'll tell you, one of the carriers I really want to try at some point in the near future is Norwegian because they've got such a, a great kind of uh, record, I think, with uh, customer service. I'm going to have to give those a try. Have you had a chance to fly Norwegian, Pip? Um, no. Uh, Norwegian or Norwegian. Huh. I've not flown on either of them. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, but uh, yeah, they do a, a nice service. I did look at them to go across the pond. Maybe it was when I was looking at um, possibly going to the Pittsburgh meetup. They had some particularly inviting fares. I think they did a direct service to Toronto, or was that Wow Air? I forget now. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's um, it's one of the founding members of the the low cost transatlantic routes. I know one of the things on Gemma's bucket list is to go and see the Northern Lights, so perhaps that uh, we could try that. Oh yes, point. coming up to the right time of year as well. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. yeah, I saw the Northern Lights once; just gorgeous. So, I've seen it flying though; it's one of my bucket list things as well to see the Northern Lights airborne. So come on then, uh, Nev. Uh, we've got uh, another fabulous uh, segment from you coming up, so we're going to le- uh, well let you introduce that segment. Thank you. Well, yes, I went to Brazil uh, on business a little while ago, and uh, one of my industry colleagues, as I like to say, is a chap called Mike Stead. And uh, Mike was flying from uh, Edinburgh through Heathrow and Lisbon uh, through to Salvador in Brazil. And uh, But, of course, there's inevitably some British Airways difficulties which we came across, and uh, he's got quite an interesting story about this new business class uh, um, service that... Uh, uh, which I'll be trying actually on Monday uh, from Edinburgh to London and back. So uh, let's uh, let's play it out now. Hello and welcome to another Nev's Passenger Experience segment. Well, this week I'm in Salvador, Brazil, where I'm spending the week with my colleagues from the Global Presence Alliance for one of our regular summits. Almost everyone that has travelled here has a story to tell, as there are very few direct flights to this destination. In this interview, I'm speaking with my industry colleague Mike Stead about his journey to Salvador, which started in Edinburgh for him via Heathrow and Lisbon. I began by asking Mike about the new business class sectors that British Airways are offering from Edinburgh to Heathrow. Uh, so I um, arrived, it was, the, it was the very first flight um, from Edinburgh that morning and uh, I wheeled my very large heavy bag up, was going into the, uh, you know, to the business class check-in line, um, uh, Club Europe. 
and uh, a woman sort of looked at me, you know, called me over to her. She was standing as the gatekeeper, uh, which you're used to. You know, they want to make sure that the line's only being used by the business class uh, travellers. Yeah. And she said, oh, what, um, uh, can I see your boarding pass, please? So I showed it to her. And she said, she looked at it and she said, oh, could you step over this way, please? And uh, pulled me away from, the, uh, from what was the empty business class check-in desk. And I said, no, 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 I'm Club Europe. This is, a, this is a business class flight. She said, yes, yes, come come this way. And I was led across the hall to a snaking queue, which was already about 20 deep. And I was standing there kind of a bit bemused. It was very early on. I hadn't had coffee yet. Um, to, to, to stand in a queue that went backwards and forwards for a few minutes until I got to the head of the line. And someone said, would you like to bring your bag this way? So I did. And there was a set of scales um, and printing terminals and she said, just, just lift your bag up onto there. And, and I, it, it was quite surreal. I thought, is this, is this actually happening? I was, it was mm. completely unsure. Yeah. Um, and she talked me through how I was to weigh my own bag and press several buttons and a line of sticky paper came out. And I then put it on the handle of the, uh, of the suitcase. And she said, there you go. Now you're all done. You just need to take your bag over there and, uh, and wow. leave, leave it at some drop-in spot. Um, and she said, and, and you know, wasn't that easy? And I, I was uh, I, I, I was still stunned um, a, a bit. It, w- it was very early, and uh, so I walked away. And I thought, no, that that was just fundamentally wrong as a as a customer experience. And so I went back, and th- they were quite attentive and said, you know, oh, is there something wrong here? I said, yes, you know, that was a singularly unimpressive business travel experience. Mm. Um, and uh, they were sort of quite taken aback by this. And they said, well, why wouldn't you want to stand in a queue and weigh your own bag and tag your own bag and then take it to be collected? Um, you know, you pay good money for that sort of thing elsewhere. Um, and uh, so I said, well, no, that wasn't what I'd signed up for in buying a business class ticket to start what would be 24 hours of consecutive travel. To their credit, um, the, uh, the staff on the floor took my details and they said, we'll get someone to get in touch with you. And to his credit, by the time I landed at Heathrow, you know, a couple of hours later, I already had an email from the, uh, the regional um, customer service director um, apologizing profusely and, uh, and telling me that, that that wasn't the case and that I should have had the, uh, the use of the traditional check-in, um, check-in area. But uh, it seemed to me that was a pretty fundamental thing to get wrong on day one of launching a service like this. And especially when a customer is saying, no, I'm a business class customer, I should be using the desk where there's someone sat there, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you really expect the, uh, the premium experience, uh, really. Well, yes, absolutely. And you've, you've generally got a choice as to which airline you use. Um, and increasingly, there's, there's precious little to market out as, uh, as separate from a... Uh, yeah, from, from the standard experience. Um, I mean, with BA, obviously, now it's a case that you basically don't have to pay for your MS sandwich. Um, seems to be about it. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more elbow room um, you know, due to the, the blocked-out seat in the middle. But, um, yeah, it, I, I couldn't see why I'd opted to pay several hundred pounds extra um, you know, for, uh, for, for that experience. Yeah, pretty horrific, isn't it? Now, what about the flights from uh, Lisbon to Salvador here with uh, TAP? What did you think about that? It was, it was good. It's the first time I've flown TAP. Um, I, was, um, I was pleasantly surprised. 
um, you know, the uh, the process of getting from Terminal 5 to Terminal 2 um, took me about 12 minutes um, because the, the BA flight was delayed um, due to winds at Heathrow. Mm. So uh, I basically managed to transit from getting my bag at Terminal 5 to checking in at Terminal 2 in about 12 minutes, which possibly may be a record, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was good. Um, it, was, uh, it was a bit tense. Um, but after that, the the experience of TAP was um, was was fine. I'd be happy to spend my personal money on that. You know, going through um, uh, Lisbon, um, you know, managed to find a bar and have a beer. Um, all the important things, and uh, yeah, and then you know the seat the seat pitch seemed reasonably generous. You know, I'm I'm six foot tall, um, but didn't have any issues with. Uh, with comfort, I was able to work, um, even when the person in front of me reclined their seat, mm. um, as they do on an overnight flight. Um, I was able to use a 13-inch inch, uh, laptop on the tray without any problems. Um, I found out, only found out when I left the plane that there was actually a charging socket that I could have used oh, okay. um, for, uh, for my phone. There was a yeah. USB port, which was just mm. a, bit, a bit well hidden. Um, but no, apart from that, it was, uh, it was good. Yeah. And what about the, the general airline experience? You've, you've done a lot of flying uh, over the years. Where, where are we with it? Is it getting better? Technology's helping it get better because of the online check-in experience, ability to manage your schedule and, uh, and that sort of thing. But it's, it's fairly obvious that everyone's getting squeezed. Um, you know, margins are, are getting tight. Uh, um, you know, and certainly the, I think, I think the big shock was when BA started charging you for, uh, for, for a sandwich or a roll. On, um, on, even, on even a short haul flight, that was uh, that was a bit of a surprise. Actually, the first time I encountered it was because I was I was kind of counting on that for calorific um, input on the day, and I had no way of paying for anything. I don't mm. think at that stage they were taking credit cards or something like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty slow, isn't it, uh, to do all this sort of stuff on on the on the shorter haul. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, you know, it was always kind of on some of the flights you'd think well why are you even bothering because the plane is it's even starting its descent and you haven't even got the trolley out yeah. and that that was actually one of the things with the um I, know, I don't know if they fixed it but the first time i was on a flight with that there were people who actually wanted to buy food and couldn't because the ba staff only got halfway down the plane yeah. before the captain turned, you know said it's right. been a very common story on all the other interviews that i've done uh, certainly even flights which were two or three hours in length uh, the, the people at the back didn't get any food mm, yeah which is which is simply you know it, it, that, that that's that's something that makes people think if i've got a choice mm. no i'm not going to do this again or if, if that's going to be the rubbish experience i'll save a 100 quid and book it with um you know one of the yeah. the cheap and cheerful now if you were ba cabin brand manager what would you be changing do you think job <laughs> <laughs> um it's I, I think it's it's just recognizing that people have got a choice and if i was whoever the ceo of ba is right now I would rather be adding an extra quid or so onto the price of the ticket and keeping that what is the you know one of the few and far between ways of making f people feel a little bit special you know you may be used to using EasyJet or Ryanair or someone like that for your family holidays because it's your own hard-earned cash mm. that you're spending but if you have a choice you know as I do and you're plumping for BA you know, just just standard class if you've got a choice that sandwich you know, being forced to, to pay for that might make you look at alternatives. Um, you know, um, I've flown recently with um, uh, someone wings, the one that Lufthansa uh, Eurowings. Owns. Yeah. yeah, Eurowings, yeah. Um, and that was a, a perfectly sound experience, as was a, a Lufthansa original experience mm -hmm. um, from uh, from Edinburgh. Um, so yeah, people have got choice, 
and uh, you know, for, the, for the cost of a sandwich, which not everyone even takes, you know, they obviously know the metrics to the nth degree. It just yeah. seems like uh, scrimping a bit. Well, great to talk to you again, Mike. Thanks so much indeed. No worries. Cheers now. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash uk on twitter via at uk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. flyby 5823 trent dane for two three hour manchester with air 6x climb flight level 210 direct to Brooklyn's park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Tandem to DME, turn right onto Bravo, link. Do one, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird, four, seven, two, LOC, slash DME, approach runway, two, seven, left. Follow the green stand, five, four, four. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience, or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the website at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. So, well done. Thank you very much, Nev. As always, uh, a, a, a sterling uh, work there from you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, glad you like that. And um, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> quite interesting. Uh, unfortunately, I'm trying to find people that are really enjoying their BA experience, but uh, <laughs> some of them are few and far between, unfortunately. But I'll I'll try and uh, find a bit more balance in in some future ones. So, uh, as I said in the chat room, it's uh, the obviously the advert there for MP Simulations is uh, is obviously. Um, where we're going to be for our 200th show in January on the 20th. And we've got a bit of news about uh, the uh, the 200th show, we, uh, Nev. Have we? Yes. What, what sort of news is that? Well. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry, I'm not uh, 
not um, with the programme here. Yes, we do actually have um, a couple of spare spots available um, for people to come down. So uh, we were very close to the, the limit, um, but we've had a couple of people that, that can't come. So that means we do have two spare spaces available. So if you would like to uh, come down on the 20th of January, then please let uh, us know at uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and we'll do our very best to accommodate you. Yeah, so if you do want to join us, contact us, uh, send me, Nev and Matt an email and uh, let us know you want to come. It's going to be an awesome day. We've got uh, we've got a lot planned for that day, haven't we, Nev? Yeah, loads. And um, well, I'm just, I suppose we ought to work it all out at some point very soon. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be an awesome event with people flying in from all over the world exactly i know and I know. Uh, the nice thing is that the two guys that are down there uh, they're really nice fellas and, and they're very accommodating so i think it's going to be a great day actually really yeah nice. yeah and yeah. I, I think it's not just the saturday if i saw correctly there are there seems to be plans afoot for a bit of a meetup on the friday night as well if i saw correctly in the chat room um which i'll certainly be attending I know, I know I shall have uh, a full house here at PTUK headquarters. Uh, I think I've got, uh, got yeah, both, both the guest rooms will be, uh, will be fully accommodated on, uh, on the night before then. So I think we've got a meal booked at uh, Chan's for, for Ooh, that lovely. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, as we said, get in contact, guys. Two spaces left if you want to join us. If you're listening to uh, the show, obviously a lot of you, uh, a lot of you guys listen to the show in the audio podcast. But uh, if you're uh, in the UK or anywhere around the world and you do want to join us on the 20th of January next year, that's a Saturday, uh, we're going to be having our 200th at the simulator. You'll get a chance to... Um, well, to fly the uh, the seven three seven eight hundred simulator, you'll be able to fly anywhere in the world you want to go. Um, <laughs> it was just yeah, Pip's uh, just uh, giving us a demonstration there of how he flies. Um, yeah, send us an email, drop us a line at the show, and we'll put your name on the guest list. So uh, I suppose we we ought to do some uh, some military news. So uh, I'm going to hopefully bring up the uh, correct. Uh, stinger for said um piece if i can find it here we go there it is so if everyone's ready yes we are let's go Is that you whistling, Pip? <laughs> it was. Sorry. Oh, I love it. That's just it's proves a nice sting of that was so lies live at a live show. I don't know. So, Aviation Week Network. Uh, this first story is on, and uh, this is uh, about an aircraft that I was very lucky indeed to to get to look round uh, at the Dubai Air Show, and the, we, I've also got a really, really, really good interview uh, to play from uh, the pilot of this, uh, the test pilot and the chief pilot of this aircraft. Uh, which I took in an air-conditioned uh, uh, PR room, which was quite nice. But uh, the headline, IO, IO Max debuts the Eagle-Eyed Archangel. 
uh, at the uh, Dubai Air Show. So Iomax, the manufacturer of the distinctive Archangel light attack aircraft, is debuting its Block 2 model uh, at the Dubai Air Show this year. The Block 2 model, which is derived from the Thrush S. Uh, 2R600 agricultural aircraft differs from the earlier Block 1 and Border Patrol aircraft or BPA with the addition of a large L3 Westcam MX25 electro-optical camera system under the fuselage. The new sensor radically increases the platform's ability to uh, reconnoiter reconnoiter, reconnoiter from standoff ranges. Uh, the new sensors... Um, on the aircraft, which have undergone some minor modifications to adjust the aircraft's center of gravity, the Block 2 is the focus of the company's first foreign military sale request from Egypt. IMAX is currently funding a U.S. Air Force non-defense military aircraft, or NDMA, certification and airworthiness assessment of the Archangel, which paves the way for the sale of the platform through the FMS process. The Block 2 with the MX-25 is a game-changer, says Seamus flatly the VP for business development at IMAX. The platform is attracting a significant interest in across the world. To widen the customer base, the company has also developed an unarmed version of the block aircraft capable of performing intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance missions only. These are being targeted uh, at the African market where several nations would face restrictions on the sale of an armed variant. The Archangels already have a formidable operational record. The combined fleet, including those operating operated by Egypt, Jordan and the UAE have dropped around 4,000 weapons since the type entered service. The original batch of AT-802 derived BPAs operated by the UAE have now been largely replaced with Archangels, with the AT-802s handed uh, to other uh, regional air forces. At least six were gifted to Jordan, uh, Jordan, while 12 have been handed over to the Egyptian Air Force. The UAE is currently mulling a top-up uh, top order for Block 1 Archangels. Archangel aircraft and IMAX is continuing to develop the Archangel concept. One option is to install Leonardo's Osprey electronically scanned array radar in the Archangel's wingtips. So what do you think of this guys? You've obviously got the um, the picture. I'll pop up the picture on the screen there for everyone to see. Um, what do you reckon of this one guys? It's really interesting, isn't it? Very unusual shape. I was a bit confused to begin with because I thought, oh, why has it got a rudder at the front as well? But actually, it's the aircraft behind uh, that's <laughs> that's there. But, uh, yeah, that's a really unusual-looking uh, aircraft. And also, uh, to see a prop on the front of it as well was uh, very unexpected. But, uh, yeah, it looks like a uh, cracking piece of kit, doesn't it? Do you know what? This is based uh, on a crop duster, uh, Nev. This oh, was originally okay. penned as a cro crop duster, but never actually, the Block 2 never saw any crop dusting uh, service at all. But, um, I mean, the, the, the interview that I took with the guy, with the, uh, the, the captain, the pilot of the aircraft will explain all, but uh, this is really armed to the teeth with um, pretty much everything that the Apache has, and then some. Mm. Awesome. It looks a lot like the Pawnee, which may well be the crop duster you, you mentioned there, uh, Carlos, but you see them quite often at uh, gliding clubs around uh, the UK, especially. Uh, they quite often get used for glider towing. It's, um, I don't think you could ever call that a pretty aeroplane. It's a mean-looking bit of kit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, arm to the teeth, like you say, that's a pretty impressive array of stuff slung underneath that wing there in the picture.
Yeah, so we'll have the interview with the pilot of that coming up soon in a later episode of the show. Uh, there's uh, still work in progress. I think Matt's got to do a bit of uh, of pinning together of pictures and uh, and audio as well. But uh, yes, yeah, great, uh, a great interview from that pilot coming up soon. So Nev, next story. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> this is on the uh, Flight Global website, and the uh, it's about the F-35, and uh, the Royal Norwegian Air Force has conducted its first domestic flights with the Lockheed Martin F-35A Lightning II after a trio of fifth-generation type touchdown at its Erland Air Base earlier this month. Oslo's lead arrivals from an eventually 52-strong fleet of the conventional takeoff and landing fighter were formally welcomed during a ceremony held at the base on the 10th of November following their formal acceptance by its defence material agency. The F-35As had landed at uh, Erland on the 3rd of November after a 9-hour, 22-minute delivery flight from Lockheed's Fort Worth plant in Texas conducted by US pilots. They were met on entering Norwegian airspace by a pair of Lockheed Martin F-16s, the type that they will be replacing in service. Norway has so far received 10 F-35s, including four that will remain permanently at the U.S. Air Force uh, Luca Air Force Base in Arizona to support Norwegian and multinational pilot training. The jets flown to Erland uh, early this month are its most recent examples, carrying the tail numbers 5148 to 5150, whilst its other seven aircraft are currently in use at Luca Air Force Base. This marks the start of reaching the next mile making the aircraft combat ready, says uh, Royal Norwegian Air Force Chief of Staff Major General Tonya Skinnerland. Uh, the new type is scheduled to ar- achieve initial operational capability status with the service during 2019 and to be declared fully operational in 2025. The F-35 remains crucial to the continued modernization of our armed forces and our ability to preserve Norwegian and allied security and interests, says Defence Minister Frank Bakker Jensen. From 2018, Norway will receive six aircraft annually up until and including 2024, the nation's Defence Ministry says. Major General Morten Claver, its F-35 programme director, notes that Oslo's acquisition is delivering on all key criteria, time, cost and performance. Lockheed on the 6th of November announced that it had delivered a full mission simulator for the F-35 to Norway. Once operational at Erland, this This will be used to deliver pilot qualification, continuation and mission rehearsal training, it says. Meanwhile, a braking parachute modification developed to support Norwegian operations on short and icy runways will be tested at Elson Air Force Base in Alaska later this year, Lockheed says. Oslo's aircraft will be equipped with the Joint Strike Missile, which is being developed by Kongsberg Defence Systems. To be carried internally by the F-35, the 4-metre-long 416 kilo weapon will be capable of attacking land and maritime targets from a standoff range of up to 150 nautical miles. More than a dozen Norwegian companies are helping deliver the F-35 from manufacturing parts to providing services across the programme, Lockheed says. So that's, um, that's some good news, isn't it? But uh, yeah, what about that for a delivery flight? flight? Uh, nearly nine and a half hours um, in one hit, I presume, as well. Um, or, or, 
We saw. I assume that was involving some air-to-air refueling. I, I, I uh, think so. Yes, honest. but but on with the same crew, I presume. But uh, mm. yeah, incredible. But we saw we saw these demonstrate as well at the uh, couple of air shows this year, didn't we? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, there was uh, they had one of these at Pittsburgh as well, didn't they, Nev? Yes, they did. Yes, yeah, yeah, yep. very impressive. And um, yeah, the, the Scandinavians, especially the Norwegians, have always had a, a very capable uh, air force and always interested in, in buying the latest hardware as well. And nice, cool weather to fly in as well. Oh yes, very chilly. Yes. <laughs> so, Pip, the last one uh, is uh, for you. Yeah, this is from STV.TV, and the headline is Scott's RAF fighter jet missed passenger plane by two hundred and fifty feet. I didn't realise Scotland had their own air force now. Hmm. Apparently so. Uh, an RAF typhoon missed a passenger plane by just 250 feet after the civilian pilot dived to avoid it. The BAE jet stream was flying near Wick in the Highlands on June 14th when its pilot spotted the fighter jet hurtling towards him at 400 miles per hour. He disconnected the plane's autopilot and pushed its nose down, sending it into a dive. Or maybe just a descent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the pilot later reported the near miss to the UK Airprox board and said he believed there was a high risk of collision. Uh, it carried out an inquiry and concluded that the incident was the result of a late sighting by the pilot of the jet stream and a non-sighting by the typhoon pilot. The investigation also found the RAF Lossimouth-based typhoon's transponder was not working. The Airprox board ranked it as a Category B incident, the second most serious. So what went wrong here, Pip? Come on. Well, um, I'd have to go and look at an aeronautical chart, but I would have thought that this was in Class G airspace again, so uncontrolled. Uh, it doesn't say what altitude, does it, anywhere in the story? No, it doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I'm guessing it's probably in Class G because there's a lot of Class G airspace up there. The, the controlled airspace doesn't start till quite uh, high up. Um, and you often get, particularly up there with so many military bases and such a, a large amount of military activity, you get a lot of low-level military traffic uh, down in the valleys, down in the military training areas, and, of course, transiting to and from. So, uh, like we said earlier with uh, some of the stories we've read out, if you're flying in that sort of airspace, then it's sea and avoid. Um, and they both were had every right to be where they were. Uh, you know, they can go where they like. They can fly what altitude they like. Uh, they can head in whatever direction they like. You just The only rule is you keep a good look outside the aircraft and uh, try and spot as best you can anyone coming towards you. But, you know, it's particularly hard if you've got a fast jet like that, possibly low-level probably blending in with the background um and I, the transponder not working business there that's possibly a little concerning i'm not sure what the standard procedures are for military traffic um i think i think if i remember correctly it's pretty common for them not to have transponders at all so obviously the two transponders in the both aircraft will be talking to each other and as a pilot you'll get a visual display of other traffic if both transponders are switched on uh, and if needs be, it will give you some avoiding action. But, you know, if one of them's not switched on, then you're not going to see or hear anything. Um, but, you know, uh, you could argue that the, the system worked. They saw and avoided as they were required to do. But um, usually these, um, the military aircraft are under some sort of radar, military radar surveillance service. 
So I, you know, I'm not sure exactly how extensive that is up there in those areas. And it's pretty remote once you get up into the, the Northern Highlands. Um, you know, so possibly not under radar cover. But there it is. That's one of the dangers of, of flying commercially in uh, uncontrolled airspace. Especially in the Highlands, where there is a lot of fast jet action and um, yeah, and, and really stuff is. like that going on. Yeah. Even get and, and that can happen anywhere. I've had one or two, one particularly very close shave with a military aircraft. It was down in um, somewhere out near Cheltenham or Gloucester area. We uh, had a very close shave with a Sea Harrier, a Royal Naval Sea Harrier. Uh, this was in a Cessna 172. This is probably about 15 years ago. Um, but this thing missed us. By, <laughs> I'm not sure, but not so many feet. You didn't do the Top Gun maneuver then, and um, you know, <laughs> kind of a, a roll, barrel roll, and. Uh, well, you know, up. I did hit the brakes, and he flew right by me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, need, uh, it's always quite concerning when the first indication you get that another aircraft is is very close by is when you hear it pass you by before you see it. Yeah, oh. I'm guessing a situation yeah. like that, Pip, where you've got uh, fast jet kind of approaching you in your um in your hawker or your phenom at close or high speed I, i'm guessing that tcas is probably a waste of time no not at all because tcas works on a time based um separation rather than distance so i can't remember exactly what it is but it will give you a certain warning once the aircraft is within 20 seconds for example uh, and then once it reaches some other time-based barrier it will then give you uh, some sort of TCAS RA resolution advisory to either pull up or or descend. So that that's time based. That does you know it's it's all um, speed is not you know if it's going faster that you're still going to get the same uh, notice period mm. if you like. There we go. Bit of tech advice there for any pilots mm. listening to the show. Yeah, but we we you know as a company and as most airlines and commercial outfits do we we do our best to avoid flying around uncontrolled airspace. Um, this is probably Logan Air or Scott Airways, one of those companies who do a lot of kind of island hopping and uh, short flights around those inaccessible airports in the Highlands. They've got no choice but to fly around uncontrolled airspace. Mm. So there we go. We'll bring that segment to a close. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, going to start to wrap up the show then. So, uh, so Pip, we're going to uh, have a ch quick chat with you. How's the uh, how's the training going? How's all the uh, the bits and pieces done? Are, have you are you fully over to the Phenom now? Or are you still uh, still with the Hawker? No, well, I'm in between. I suppose it's a work in progress. So I'm obviously back from the states, having finished the initial um, three or four week sim training. I've now just got to finish it off by doing the base check, as we call it, which is the the circuits, the six uh, circuits, and I'm doing that on Thursday. I can then take my, my license and my paperwork down to the CAA headquarters at Gatwick, um, pay them the appropriate exorbitant fee, and they'll stamp the thing in my license, and I will be officially uh, type-rated on that particular aircraft. Uh, and then I'll start line training, as we call it, um, around about the 5th or 6th of December, if I remember my roster correctly. And that should be uh, going to a new type within our company it's a minimum of 10 sectors uh which doesn't sound much but it will in all likelihood it will be more than that because there's certain things you have to fit into those 10 sectors and it's probably not very likely you could really fit it all in so it's things like you have to do a i don't know a couple of precision approaches you have to do a couple of non-precision approaches uh, maybe a visual approach 
Um, maybe a go around. I'm not sure. I've not looked at the uh, the training syllabus yet, uh, and a number of other th- things. Oh, a steep approach as well. That's the the tricky one. So we need to go into London City at some point before I can finish the line training and um, do a line check. Uh, and then I'll be released officially uh, to the line. <clears throat> Excuse me to fly the jet. But um, you know, it's uh, a slow process. It's not ideal, really, to have a month between finishing the initial simulator training and flying the aircraft for the first time. I would have been much happier if it had just been, a, you know, a few days or a week. Um, a, a, you know, a month's quite a long time. It's, that stuff's not fresh in my, my mind anymore, so I'm going to have to go back and do a little revision. But I'm looking forward to it, I must say. I'm I was going to ask to you um, a very quick question, Pip, about the um, approach into London City with the five and a half degree glide slope is it difficult to keep the uh, the speed under control on, on aircraft when you're uh, landing at city that's a very type specific question um it, it kind of depends on where you start from if you get it all set up and configured in good time then no it shouldn't be a problem uh, on the hawker it was reasonably simple you intercepted the glide slope at either two or three thousand feet and you'd be fully configured already you'd have full flaps You'd be geared down and you'd be almost at uh, approach speed. And so then it was very stable. Uh, in the Hawker, we weren't allowed to have the autopilot engaged for that. Uh, the Phenom, uh, it is. So for the Phenom, again, you'll approach at speed, fully configured with speed brake as well. You can use the speed brakes in the Phenom for this one. And it'll happily fly to an autopilot all the way down. But, um, you know, it depends. You see the 146 is going into city. And they're very sort of dirty with that, you know, that great big air brake at the mm. back, fully open to uh, keep the speed down. Because, of course, as you're um, insinuating there, if you've got a very steep approach, then naturally physics dictates that the aircraft's going to want to um, accelerate towards terra firma. So, uh, yeah, so energy management's fairly critical on an approach like that. Yeah, so uh, to get it all, uh, the key thing is to uh, be well prepared for it and get it all set up early. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you approach fast or you're not configured in time, then uh, forget it. You'll have to throw yeah. that approach away and try again. So, but, question, uh, yeah, so question I, from I'm the chat room, uh, Pip. Question from the chat room. Lane Street has asked, uh, does safe jets, uh, do, do safe jets pay for all everything you do? Oh yeah, absolutely, Ab- absolutely everything. Yeah. So when I say uh, we, I got to pay the exorbitant fee to uh, the CAA. With you know the company credit card will, will pay the exorbitant <laughs> fee. No, safe jets are very good actually. I, um, I want for nothing when <laughs> when it comes to that. They they pay for everything, which is really good. And that's not always true, of some airlines. You know there are some, Irish based airlines perhaps for instance, who expects you, their employees to pay for their own simulator training and uniforms and stuff like that. But um, mm, now safe jets good. are pretty good. So I have had, uh, had a, a, a little um, a message from Captain Al, our uh, awesome Captain Al today. And uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, might be next week, if not the week after, we're going to have uh, Al back on the show. And uh, he's going to join us for, uh, for what will probably be another exciting show as it always is with Alon so it'll be good to good to hear from Al again excellent yeah look forward to that so we're going to start to wrap up the show then uh, where APG apparently is starting later on this evening I think mm, who? Oh, yeah, I know who oh, I don't know who they are what's that never heard of that never heard no. of that but, sounds terrible but uh, don't forget uh, to uh, to keep your eyes on the social media and Facebook to uh, see when uh, next week's show Matt hopefully will be back in the kitchen studio next week 
with any luck. And don't forget, we'll also uh, bring you news next week on our Christmas competition. Uh, we're gonna have a gonna have a chit gonna have a chit chat and see what we're gonna do about um, how we're gonna how we're gonna arrange this particular competition. But um, th- well, there'll there'll be awesome prizes like there always is and stuff. But uh, yeah, so. Any good plans for the rest of uh, the uh, week then, Pip? Are you off anywhere um, glamorous? Oh, very much, very much. Tomorrow, uh, this is a special message to uh, Matt in the chat room. Uh, I'm off to Twickenham tomorrow to watch England thrash Australia in the rugby. Mm. I know you don't enjoy it, uh, (laughs) but I'm hugely looking forward to it. It's always a treat to go to Twickenham, especially when we're playing those dastardly Aussies and we're going to give them a bloody good hiding tomorrow <laughs> so looking forward to that excellent any uh, any flying uh, on the cards uh, for next week anywhere glamorous again you're going or not no no like I say I've got the base check on Thursday so okay. uh, good luck I with think that. I've got to go down to Farnborough and pick up an aircraft and go and do six circuits somewhere oh um, but horrible no. the other exciting news I don't know if I mentioned this before is I'm buying a share of a light <gasps> aircraft oh you did say uh, you said actually a few w- or a few months or months yeah. back that you were going. Uh, well, it was a few months ago that I was intending to yeah. do it, and I've been waiting for my uh, my um, my single engine piston license to come back from the CAA. Uh, having paid for it, and they took the funds immediately as they do. Uh, two months later, I've still not got the the paperwork back from them. So hopefully, you're going to fly down and see us uh, over here in the east of England, then, Pip. I would love to. Yeah, I'll come up to whatever airfield it is and. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. If only the CAA would pull their finger out and. So what, what are you uh, what are you getting a share in then, Pip? I'm guessing it's going to be a low wing. It's well, it's a really interesting group actually. It's a two aircraft group, um, and they've got a PA28 and they've got a Grumman AA5 Tiger, both low wing four seat aircraft. Um, so I'll have the choice of the two aircraft. Uh, I think mainly I'll start off with the PA-28 because um, it's a sort of good, basic, solid aeroplane to start off with. And, you know, it's been years and years since I seriously flew single-engine aircraft. Um, I've had a few sort of goes here and there over the years, but I'm quite out of practice. Uh, but really looking forward to that because I've, I've, I think I've given up on the gliding thing now. That's bit, you know, I've been trying to do it for a couple of years now, but it's just not working out for me at all. It's just too damn... Glidy. Glidy, yeah. Yeah, too glidy. <laughs> That's a, a really good uh, word to describe it. Too glidy. It's just too time-intensive. Um, and really, when you look at it over the course of a year, how much you're paying compared to how much flying you're doing, it's really not uh, economically efficient either. So I've yeah. decided to, you know, hell with it. Just balls deep and I'll go and buy a share and... Oh, Flyer152 says, come into seething. I'm guessing Flyer152 must be one of our local listeners who's mentioned seething, the word yeah, seething. Yeah. I've got all kinds of plans. I'm going to maybe fly into some air shows and uh, come up and see you guys. Maybe maybe Al and I could fly in formation Yay. and come and buzz your house. <laughs> maybe pop down to Wickham and pick Nev up and we can yeah. come and uh, do some aerobatics or something. Well, not in a PA-28, so well, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, Nev, what, uh, what have ye got planned? Any uh, uh, right, glamorous destinations? I very elderly British Airways 767 on uh, Monday, flying up to Edinburgh. 
uh, eight o'clock in the morning, um, and um, so that'll be a very early start for me. And then coming back on Tuesday on some probably slightly more modern equipment on Tuesday evening, and uh, yeah, a busy week um, overall actually. Um, I just thought whilst we're just before we close the show, um, some very sad news to report. Unfortunately, in that it has been confirmed that four people have um, died in the aircraft and helicopter crash uh, near me uh, in the midair crash near Waddesdon. Um, in fact, it was two people were killed in each aircraft. So that's uh, sad very news. sad news, unfortunately. Sad but news. I, I kind of felt there was some inevitability about that, unfortunately. Yes, very sad news indeed. Um, and, uh, well, hopefully they'll find out the cause of Yeah, the AAIB have been on scene, and so we'll receive uh, some uh, reporting, I guess. It won't yeah. be quick, but we'll probably see something about that uh, next year, yeah. I would imagine. So, Pip... Where can people find out more about you, what you do, and when your next episode will be released? Ha! Well, the website, as always, is www.plainsafetypodcast.com. Uh, <laughs> I had to think about that. <laughs> Plainsafetypodcast.com. Uh, and obviously, you can find me on Twitter, occasionally on Facebook. When the next episode is, is a terrific question, Carlos. It's a brilliant question. Hmm. I don't have an answer. <laughs> he doesn't have an answer for that. No. What, I was, what about uh, the next segment? I, was gonna, um, I want Al. I really want Al on the next one. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I need to. I think we all want Al. With Al. We all we all want Al. I think there's a lot of love for Al in the chat room. Definitely yeah, tonight. Yeah. So, By uh, the way, a lot of people are, uh, I'm sure are, are asking about Al and are curious. And um, I know he didn't want me to say anything, so I won't. But rest assured, he's uh, he's doing well. Actually, yeah, he's yeah. you know he's all right. Don't worry about Al. Yeah. So, there we go. Uh, Nev, where can everyone uh, find out about you, apart from obviously going to our website? Yes, I've got my own website, which is nevtech.org.uk, and it just gives you a bit of a summary about me, what I do uh, as a job, and all my hobbies and and bits and pieces, and there's some aviation-related stuff on there as well. So, you can find out more about uh, our show at uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Find us uh, on Twitter at Plain Talking UK and also on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook on there where we post plenty of stuff. There's also some great pictures which I took from the Dubai Air Show on our Facebook page as well. Um, I think I've put the link to those on there and put some on there so you can see those. Uh, and also, obviously, there's some great video and audio coming up soon in the coming weeks, uh, which I took there from a very warm air show indeed. Uh, so that is where we are going to wrap up episode 191 of the show. Uh, as we said earlier on the show, don't forget, uh, there we go, we have a quick look at all of us there. Hello, give everyone a wave. Hello, hello. Uh, don't forget, we've uh, got two spaces left for the 200th show. Uh, Pip, I'm hoping you're going to be able to uh, to make it. I absolutely, definitely, probably will be there. Awesome, awesome. Now I've booked the day off. I've got my January roster. I am off, off, off. So I'll I'll be there with bells and whistles on. Probably on the Friday night as well. If anyone's uh, interested in a, a curry or some beers or something on the Friday. Yeah, I, I'm staying down there for Friday and Saturday night. So uh, <laughs> yeah, look, look wow. forward to seeing everybody there. So look all, look for the links on social media. We'll be back next Friday for episode 192. So it leaves me to say thank you to Pip for joining us tonight. Thanks for giving up your Friday evening and joining me and Nev for the show. Always a pleasure. And uh, Nev, 
as always, thank you for your awesome segment and uh, for uh, giving me your attention this evening as my fellow co-host. That's great, isn't it? And uh, yeah, hopefully Matt will be back uh, next Friday, all being well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. So that's it then. We're going to say a huge goodbye and, um, well, don't forget, guys, send your feedback in audio and and emails and stuff. You know where to go to. You know where the links are. Just go to the website. So that's it then. 192 brought to a close ah, with only a few technical hitches. (laughs) <laughs> Matt's watching now going, oh no, editing, editing. <laughs> anyway, so, well, it's time to say goodbye, everyone. So, goodbye. Yeah, see you. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye.